just anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. And if you would rather us do the shopping, you can see me or Jackie, or just make sure you mark it for shoebox funds um, in the donation plate. Um, uh, I think that's about it. Thank you. Thank you. I'd ask that everyone would stand. Let us bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this beautiful day. God, we thank you for the liquid sunshine that you have, that you are pouring out upon us right now. God, I thank you for everyone that has made their way into your house today. God, I pray that your spirit will just simply meet with them and that your, you know, God, that he would move in our midst and in our lives. God, as we join together with one heart, dear Lord, here we are at one table worshiping you, the one and true Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Rakasha, rakasha. That means get ready for battle. All right, you have your stance, right? You have your thoughts, you have your heart. Hit it, sir. In Psalms 103. <laughs> we have these words. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise the holy, His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Today we worship and we praise God and we thank Him for who He is and for what He has done. Let's remember how we fight our battles today. So some trust in chariots, some trust in politics, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God, right? The battle belongs to him. Whom shall I fear? So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to me. And when I see as the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. And there's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, 
feet While I sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to me And if you are for me Who can be against me? Who can be against me? For Jesus says nothing impossible for you. And all I see are the ashes. You see the beauty. And all I see is a cross, God. You see the empty tomb. Hallelujah. So when I belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Let's sing that chorus again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. 
It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass or whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Just to trust. 
His cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me beneath the healing cleansing flood. Oh Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I
Now the altars are going to be opened. All right? You're the intercessors. You're all your loved ones have is who's here now and who's on Facebook listening. You're all that they have. You have the opportunity. Let's take it. We serve you, Lord, payer of the ultimate price. Hallelujah. The price we could not pay. We serve you, O Lord. Take joy from our worship this morning. Hallelujah. You are holy, holy. There is no one else like you. You are holy, holy. There is no one else like you. Sing this chorus. You are
Father, we do thank you for this time, dear Lord, and for the worship. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here in our midst and moving in our hearts. We pray that you'll continue to work and to move in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So today is a... A joyous occasion for us. Uh, we have a, uh, a young couple that is going to be joining the church today. That's Sharon and Larry. Larry's over here clapping for the young couple. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead, if I can have y'all to stand and go ahead and make your way to the front. right there so as you can tell they've already been at work 
Y'all have seen them in many different places around. Uh, Sharon has played the, uh, the piano for us or the keyboards. She's actually going to play for us again today. Um, and Larry has graciously stepped into our greeter. So before the service today, Sharon made sure that I told Larry that he had to be inside the sanctuary for the service today. Uh, normally he's out in the foyer making sure that everybody is welcomed and that they, that they uh, make their way in. Uh, you know, so we do. We uh, accept Larry and Sharon Andrews uh, from a transfer of letter, and I forgot the church. Lakewood, Lakewood, Lakeland or Lakewood? Lakewood, Lakewood I have that right. Lakewood, Washington. So they traveled just a short way to get to us. Uh, but they have, uh, they have uh, re, you know, asked to have their member transferred here. Uh, and for the Church of the Nazarene, they need to be accepted. Uh, I want to let you know that your church board has already discussed this. And we have, uh, we have unanimous, unanimously accepted them. So now it is for the church body. So if the church of Rock Hill first would like to, for all of y'all that are here, if you would accept them as members of this body of God's worship, please say, I do. Amen. Thank you so much. This is our fourth church, Nazarene church. Fourth Nazarene church that they've been involved in. 1986. Okay, I was born then. He was a greeter in every church. Yes, yes. We thank y'all so much for y'all's service. Thank you. Thank you. If I can have the ushers to go ahead and make their way forward.
Thank you. That's technical difficulty. She was halfway through whenever it finally started playing. <laughs> so, this morning I would like to you to go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 16. Verses 13 through 16. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, now for the rest of the story. And hopefully, I don't know if any of y'all had heard that portion of John Wayne's story as far as his life and what it was. But I, I know that once I heard it, I had a different understanding of John Wayne. It's nice sometimes to get the back story or to get the rest of the story to get an understanding as far as who the person is and kind of, uh, you know, from their lifestyle. So hopefully you did that. Maybe that helped you out. How many of you watch American Ninja Warrior on TV? How many of you watch that? Peggy and I used to watch it all of the time, but, you know, Somehow we, we got sidetracked and now we're on something else. But I have noticed that you can't just simply have an athlete running the, the course on American Ninja Warriors, right? They always have to give you this backstory. They always have to tell you all the struggles and all the things that they've been through that makes them so much better in running this race. Does anybody else pick that up? The last time I watched it, there was a 16-year-old, and they kept talking about how she was a 16-year-old, and she was the first 16-year-old that was ever made it this far, and then she would make it to the next one, and she made it this far. I'm like, well, yeah, she's the first 16-year-old that was involved in this, so she would be the first one to make it this far. But they had to give you the backstory for you to be able to get a better appreciation and an understanding as far as what all was going on. I believe for us today that Paul is giving us more Thessalonians, where he just gave us, gave us an overview. So we're looking at this backstory and getting more and more information on Paul's trip uh, to the church there in Thessalonians or Thessalonica. And whenever we get to this part, we look here at uh, verses 2 through 13, there's some things that I want us to really look in and define. So let's read this, and I'm going to read it to you from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. And it will read this way. It says, This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works efficiently in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's church in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus 
and the prophets and persecuted us. They despise God and are hostile to everyone by keeping or hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they constantly fill up their sin to the limit, and wrath has overtaken them at last, or wrath has overtaken them at the end. So whenever we look at this, there's some things that I want us to see, okay? So the message that they received, they didn't receive it as it was a human message. You remember in chapter 1, it talks about they didn't talk in fancy language. They didn't say scheming words or you know, bring out a message that would not have been something that would have been up front so that someone would have said that this is not the right thing or anything. They made it very clear as far as what they were speaking. I find it interesting that Paul then goes in and describes it. It's, he says that it's that you received it not as merely a man's message as it truly was, but you, re- or, but you truly receive it as the word of God. Now, how many of you this morning believe that the message in the word that I give you today is the word of God? Thank you. I'm glad some people raised their hand. See, that's what this is talking about. The message that Paul gave was not necessarily just Scripture, but it was the message that God had given to him. Therefore, it was God's message. I am just simply a mouthpiece for God. I give you what God gives me so that you can grow in your life and your walk with Christ. The same way as he gives me the message so that I can grow in my relationship with him. So the message this morning, all mornings, should have power within it because it's not just simply man's words. This is God's word that is given to us. And it has to be that because if it's my words, then it's just simply words. But coming from God, it comes with power. And not only with power, but it comes with transforming power. That's why the passage says, which works, it says, which also works efficiently in you who believe. So do I need to explain that to you? Great, I'm glad I need to explain that to you. Because what it is, is that whenever they heard the word, it began to change who they were. It's efficient in the fact that whenever they received it as God's word, it then transformed them from the person that they used to be to now the person that they are as in a worshiper of God. Now, if you don't think that that's right, if you think that I'm just simply giving you just a, that it's my words, let's look into the scripture because we go back to chapter 1 
And in chapter 1, it tells us that they turned away from worshiping idols. So here's the first transformation in their life is that they used to worship false gods. They no longer worship the false gods. They now worship the true and only God. So there's transformation number one. Transformation number two, it talks about the fact that they spoke God's word to everyone else that was around them, and it began to change their lives so much that it didn't only change the lives of the people that was in Thessalonia, but it changed the lives of the people that was in Macedonia and in the surrounding towns to the point that Paul and them didn't have to talk about the church or even talk about God because their witness had been so strong that it changed the lives. Remember Paul said that we don't have to say anything because you've already spoken it. Whenever we as believers, whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it says that we must receive His message but then we must proclaim his message. There must be a transformation. If we only receive the message, it does absolutely no good to us. Scripture says, if you profess me before men on earth, I will profess you before my Father in heaven. So if we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior to our brothers and sisters in Christ or to our brothers and sisters that's around us, if we profess that with our mouths, then Jesus Christ will profess our name to his Father in heaven. Oh my goodness! Do you not understand? I need, we need coffee on this side over here. We need extra espresso over here. See, so in other words, what Paul is talking about and what we see here in the lives of these people is that the efficiency of God's Word transformed their lives. Not only did they stop worshiping the false idols, and worshiping God, but then they begin to speak about what God had done for them. If God truly transforms our lives, then we will speak about the transformation that He has done in our lives. If He doesn't truly transform us, as in I just simply receive the Word and say, I've heard it, and that is it, he is not going to profess us to his Father in heaven. And what is Jesus doing for us? He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. For those who believe in him, he is interceding for us. He is talking to his Father. He is saying, hey, John's having a difficult day today. Can you send an angel to help him? Come on. I guess I'm the only one that's going to be excited about it this morning. So we see the evidence in these lives that they stop worshiping idols, but then they begin to speak about this. 
And not only did they speak about it, but they lived such of a life that they were different than they were before the message. Scripture tells us that they accepted the gospel even though they knew that they were going to be persecuted for receiving the gospel. They knew that if I do this, my life will be different. And because my life is different, there are going to be people that don't like me. I find it interesting. A friend of mine posted on Facebook about how normally her weekends was spent, uh, you know, kind of self-absorbed and going out and drinking and partying and worrying about what people thought about her or didn't think about her, uh, you know, but now she spends her weekends praising and thanking God. And then she makes a comment and says that she lost some of her friends that she used to go to the bars and get drunk with. See, if we truly receive the message and allow it to be effective in our lives, there will be some people from our other life that no longer like us. Are we willing to make that change or allow the Holy Spirit to make that change? It's not going to be easy. Last Sunday, I said the word, I, I put, you know, I said this phrase, I said, you know, it's a double bind. I don't know if y'all understand a double bind. Okay, but that means that either way that I choose, whichever one I choose, it's going to be difficulties. Okay, I can choose to follow this world. And for first, it's going to be really nice, but we know that by following the world, it means that I'm going to death and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in hell for eternity, right? That's bad. That's really bad. But if I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to be persecuted. That's bad. But it's not as bad as spending eternity in hell because I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. So what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to follow God? Are we going to choose to go over here and to follow Jesus Christ and be with Him for eternity? Or are we going to choose to follow flesh and to follow the world and spend eternity in hell? You got immediate persecution or you got burning in hell forever. But it's a difficult situation whichever way you go, right? Come on, don't please, please don't say no, it's not. You know, we as believers, we sit here in this church and we're like, man, I made that decision a long time ago. It's really easy. No, it's not. You remember back to that first day whenever you had that battle to get there? Or whenever you had those months 
of the, you know, of the Holy Spirit drawing you and pulling you and convicting you. If it was easy the first time the Holy Spirit tapped on the door and said, Hey, I'm here. We would have went, Whoo, I'm going, I'm running to it, right? But we fight tooth and nail. Because I want what I want. And I don't want to give up what I want. But to get eternity with God, we have to. They gave it up. They gave it up knowing. How did they know that they were going to be persecuted? In Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 9, you have this little interesting story. Okay, So the, the people of the town, the, the leaders of the town came to this man's house named Jason. And Jason, they knocked on his door and they were searching for Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul, Silas, and Timothy wasn't there. They wanted to persecute. They wanted to take Paul, Silas, and Timothy out and beat him and put him in prison because of the message that they were preaching. Couldn't find him. So what did they do? They said, well, Timothy, you'll, or, or we'll, we'll, <laughs> well, Jason, you'll do. And they brought him out into the center of the town. Just simply for associating with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And then they made him pay a fine. Now, if that's not persecution, it, you know, how do you get, you, know, you really get in a man whenever you get into his pocket, right? Whenever you get into his bank account and you're hurting, that, man, you really done something there. I wonder if we ever text or, you know, text message, uh, you know, Paul and Silas and said, hey, you owe me this because they charged me this for you staying in my house. No, we find out. Remember, there's a passage of Scripture in chapter 1. It talks about how they welcomed the persecution because of the change. See, the Word of God, if we allow it to come into our lives, will transform us. We cannot truly have the Word of God in us and be the same. Now, all of y'all know that, uh, you know, I, I grew up in church. So you're like, Pastor, what, you know, how did your life change whenever you accepted Christ as your Savior? Because you just simply kept on going to church, right? Yeah, I did. But the reason why I went to church changed. Instead of going to church because mom and dad told me I had to go to church, I went to church because I wanted to go to church. Because I wanted to know more about my Savior. And the first time that I, you know, whenever I was in Glorieta, New Mexico, whenever I went down to the altar and, and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we had a six-hour trip back on this 53-passenger bus with no air conditioner, by the way. It wasn't one of these luxury tour buses. I had six hours to get my high school friend saved. Six hours. 
It took five and a half hours. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. I went through every book I knew. I even went to the youth pastor and I said, Hey, do you have any notes to help me to get this guy saved? I don't know if he got saved just simply to get me off his back or what. But I tell you what, God had made a change in my life. And he was going to make a change in somebody else's life. That's all it was to it. I had six hours. Man, I feel sorry for that friend. I don't even, I haven't been in contact with him for a couple of years after that. It just, but that talks about, I, I, I told you all that so that you would understand the change. If we truly receive the, the gospel, receive God's message, it changes us. Truly changes us. But see, Paul had more than that information for us because whenever we go in and we look further into this, if you go down to verse 14, Paul is then going to kind of change for us a little bit and he's not going to talk about their lives being changed and the effectiveness of this, but what he's going to do is he's going to give them encouragement in all of this that's going on. In verse 14, it says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's church in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophets, and persecute us. So what is he doing? So what's Paul doing? Paul is coming in and Paul is saying, the persecution that you're facing today, I want you to understand that there are other believers all across this country that's facing the same persecution. The things that you're struggling with, the people that you've lost as friends, Everyone else that has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has done the same things. The transformation of the Word of God has came in and changed them, and now we are part of the church. I pause for dramatic, but I pause so that you could say amen. Because we're all part of the church, the body of Christ, right? Each and every one of us has a responsibility or a task that we are supposed to do within the body of Christ, right? Every single one of us in the overall scope and plan that God has set forth before time ever began, there is something that he has for you to do. He has something for Rock Hill First Church to do as a corporate, as in Rock Hill First Church is supposed to do something in the plan of God in amongst all of the churches that's in Rock Hill and in South Carolina and the United States and the whole world. Does that not get you excited? Because I'm no longer alone. I'm no longer facing this persecution all by myself. 
Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarenes, have, we have 221 people on our roll as far as members of this church. We don't have 221 people here yet. But that's them on the roll. So we together, all of us, have something to do as the body of the church of Christ. But you, as individuals, have something to do for the body of Christ in your life. Paul comes here and by talking about this persecution, Paul unites this church that is being persecuted, that he is trying to come back and visit again. Right? He is trying to bring, he's bringing them together with all those other people to unite them, to strengthen them, to continue to do the work that God has for you. There is absolutely nothing that someone here in this church right now, there's absolutely no one here that is going through something that someone else hasn't gone through it with you or hasn't gone through it. We just choose not to say it to anybody else. Therefore, we feel like we're alone. I have to fight this battle all by myself because I don't want anybody else here to know that I have that problem. Hmm. How many people do you think is going to fall away and die in their stubbornness and their sin? Because they refuse to find someone else to help them? How many people do you think are going to fall away from Christ because we're not brave enough to simply ask them, how are they doing? To sit down with them and have a conversation about what's going on in this world and what's going on in their life. If we are unified, the way that Paul is talking about here, we are unified in the suffering. We're not unified in the separation. We're unified whenever we're able to suffer together. Remember the passage of Scripture that says that there's a time to weep and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to rejoice. Right? We're supposed to be that for, for the people that's around us. We're supposed to be that for people that's here at Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene. But if you have friends that go to Calvary Church, uh, you know, Baptist Church, you have friends with them. Aren't we supposed to do that with them as well? Because we're part of the church as a whole, not just the Nazarenes. 
Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. Not his brides. He's coming back for all believers. Not just the Nazarenes. Although we'll be first in line. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not, not just the Baptists. Not just even gently. You know, not the believers that believe in Jesus Christ. And that not only believe in Jesus Christ, but His Word and His message is effectively working in our lives. And we profess that work in our lives. See, we're together. Paul, he takes this church and he says, I know that the message that I gave to you has transformed your life. These are the ways that, you're, that, that it's visible for that. And he says, I also know that you are being persecuted just as all the other churches have been persecuted. You are united with Christ. Therefore, you are united together. And it's only whenever we come together that we can truly stand firm in the Word of God. The lion doesn't jump into the middle of the herd to grab his meal, does it? It goes towards the ones that's on the outside edges because there's strength within the herd. There's strength within the body of Christ. But we have to be there. We can't just simply be on the outskirts. We've got to be in the body of Christ. We've got to connect with people around us. Our relationship with Christ was never meant to be a relationship alone. It was always meant to be with the body of believers. This morning, we need to take courage in the fact that we have a group of people that we can gather with on Sunday mornings and worship and praise God. We need to thank God that we have a church and a place that on Wednesday nights, in the middle of the week, whenever things are bad, that we can come and we can get a word of God to strengthen us for the rest of the week. We need to be, we need to be joined together with those community groups that meets on Sunday nights, meets on Tuesday mornings, Tuesday evenings, Thursday mornings, there, ne there should never be a time or a week that you go that you are not strengthened by a fellow believer throughout the week. It's our responsibility to be together. 
and to grow together. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for the words that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that as we are here, God, I pray that everyone receives this courage, this encouragement from Paul, from the Scripture. God, that we are together, that we are part of your body, as Jesus Christ is the head. But God, we are part of the body of Rock Hill First Church. And God, we come together and we get strength and courage from that. God, I pray, dear Lord, that if there's someone that is down today, God, that they would receive courage from this. And God, that they would hold tight, not only to you, but God, they would hold tight to those that are around them. And God, that you would strengthen them through that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like